Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hi, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Project Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. I'm happy to welcome my guest today. It's Chris Hagedorn of Hawthorne Gardening. Hawthorne Gardening is the world's largest vertically integrated manufacturer, direct seller, and service provider dedicated to servicing North America's licensed producers and hydroponics retail industry. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, thanks, Bethany. Good to be here. Good to have you as well. Uh, Let's start off by getting to know you a little bit better, learning about your background and what kind of experiences you may have had before finding yourself where you are now, serving this exciting cannabis industry? Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so, uh, you know, started off in, uh, really kind of was born into the gardening business. Um, so just quick, quick background on on me and my family. Uh, so my grandfather, Horace, uh, started miracle Grow right here in Port Washington, New York, where I'm, where I'm currently based and live um, back in the 1950s. The business grew and evolved, and then in the uh, in the mid '90s, my father Jim took the business over and merged it with a company called the Scotts Company, which is based out in Marysville, Ohio, where they've been for 150 years now. It's actually this is the uh, 150th anniversary of the business. Um, so we merged with them in '95, and the Scotts Miracle Company has been our family's business since then. Um, so again, grew up around the gardening business, um, kind of have it in my blood, third generation. And it's me and some other family members now that still work here. Uh, so we see it as a as a family business now still. It's gotten a little bigger than it used to be, um, but grew up around it and, you know, always kind of had a passion for it. Didn't work directly in it. Coming out of college, worked in advertising and did some other things to try to, you know, find myself. Uh, but ultimately, <laughs> uh, ultimately found myself kind of coming home to, uh, to the family biz. And that was, uh, that was in about 2011. Gotcha. Excellent. I I really love hearing about the family business aspect, um, even though you said, you know, it's gotten much bigger by now, but it's, it's wonderful to hear a family for decades um, having a business thriving and and being able to make it work. So um, thanks for sharing that background for sure. Uh, So do you personally love to garden? Do you, do you have a, uh, a lot of greenery in your backyard at home? (laughs) I do, yeah. So my wife and I, we have uh, we have two young boys. We got a four year old and a two year old. Um, so we've tried to raise them around around plants and gardening. Um, so obviously in New York, we can't have uh, we can't have cannabis plants grown at home, um, which is a shame. And I look forward to to when that changes. Uh, but they're for quite now, decorative, you know. They're very pretty. <laughs> I've heard, but I also heard that the uh, the local law enforcement would look uh, wouldn't look kindly on us having a, a nice decorative cannabis plant. So we're gonna hold off for the time being um, at home. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we've got we've got a bunch of herbs um, and that sort of thing grown right on our patio, so we can go pick those when we're cooking. And then oh, we've got a, got a couple of raised beds with 
we were out there yesterday watering because it's been just hot as hell recently. So we've got Same a here. bunch of broccoli and we're doing peas this year. We're doing some melons this year uh, for the boys. So we're trying to do some different stuff and obviously some corn and tomatoes, that kind of thing going. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a fun time of year because it's start, getting to the point where we can start actually harvesting stuff. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, we, the last couple of conferences NCIA has held, we've been able to bring some hemp plants mm-hmm. in uh, just for decorative touches. Uh, and we're always tickled about it, even though they're just hemp plants, but still. Well, you know, so actually, you mentioned it. Um, we've got a uh, we've got a house up in Vermont where we've got a, a, a farm up there that we run a, a foundation on. But anyway, that's a, a story for another day. But on the farm, we've started growing hemp there just to see if we can, if we can offset some of the cost of running the foundation up there uh, by selling, by selling the hemp. So this is our first summer. It's just out in a field. We're going to see how it does. Uh, but it is, it is interesting going up there and saying, holy crap, there's like, you know, three acres of, uh, of hemp plants because they obviously they look just like the real thing. Sure thing. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a little interesting. We have a board meeting coming up actually, a Scott's board meeting on Friday. So that'll be up at the farm with the backdrop of a field of hemp. So we'll see how that goes. Not too shabby. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for sharing all that as well. Um, so gardening is one thing, but getting involved in the cannabis industry and the cannabis movement uh, before there was an industry, um, it means there's a lot of challenges. There's federal prohibition to deal with. We're still on a state by state kind of thing. <laughs> um, so how did you and your company get involved in cannabis. I mean, it had to have been a risky move to think about expanding into because of the compliance, the regulations and the risk. Sure. Yeah. It was definitely a, you know, I think it, it seemed more controversial then than it does now um, looking back on it. But yeah, you know, this is something that, that we as a company have been looking at for, for about 10 years now. Um, huh. You know, I, I think actually, I think it might've been closer to 12 years at this point. Um, so my father, Jim, who's the chairman and CEO of Scott's Miracle Company. Um, so I report to a guy that reports to him. Um, mm-hmm. He he's first talked about this on a Wall Street Journal interview back in, I think, 2007 or 2009, saying there's no reason we wouldn't be in this space. It's people growing plants. And what we've done for 150 years is help people grow plants as best they can. Um, so I don't see why we'd avoid it. Now, at the time, the our board of directors and a lot of our investors and, and just consumers at large didn't like the idea. So we, we didn't pursue it. Um, but as public perception changed, as we changed the composition of our board a little bit, um, the, the resistance kind of lightened up. And when we went back and looked in 2013 and then 2014, we saw some pretty incredible opportunity. Now, you know, there's the business opportunity, which is, which is a big part of practice to this category when we saw a bunch of really innovative, really interesting, small family-run businesses that were all at this inflection point where typically the founders had gotten a little bit older. They'd been in the business for some time. You know, if you look at our first our first acquisition, which was General Hydroponics back in 2014, Larry Brooke, who founded that business, who'd been running it the entire time, he was in his mid-60s, wanted to retire, take some money off the table. Um, mm. So we found that that was a really good time for us to have that conversation. Say, look, hand this business off and we can help take this into the next generation. Take the legacy you've created and, and honor it. Um, so the timing worked out well for us. But obviously, this is something that it wasn't just a, a business opportunity. You know, it's, 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 it's saying or else we do it. 
it was something that for me, for my family, um, something that we were pretty passionate about, um, you know, as consumers, frankly, and just seeing the, you know, the, as, as advocates, seeing how important this plant can be who, who really need it beyond just wanting to consume it recreationally. Um, so I think our business interests lined up with our personal interests and passions in a way that I am super grateful for because you don't see it happen that often. Um, so again, business opportunity met personal passion um, at I think the perfect time, both for the maturation of the businesses we wanted to acquire and just the industry as a whole becoming a little bit more widely accepted by the mainstream. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you for sure. Um, so let's fast forward to present day. Um, you're working at Hawthorne Gardening. Uh, tell me more about where the company's at right now and, and your role there and, and what you're up to these days. All right, for sure. Yeah. So look, you already said it at the top, you know, who, who we are, we're the, you know, we're the single largest supplier and partner to the cannabis grower. And we strive to, to be that partner, whether you got two plants or you got 200,000 plants up in Canada, you know, we're, we want to help people grow plants as efficiently as they can, get as much joy out of it as they can, and hopefully end up with the best possible product at the end. Um, again, whether that's for themselves or, or for sale. Um, so to do that, we sell everything from lights to plant foods and nutrients to HVAC equipment um, to you know, vacuum oven for action and pair it up with what we call our technical services team, which is just a bunch of really smart plant people, you know, whether they're <laughs> lighting experts or plant biologists or nutrient experts, um, just to help people. And they're, they, those guys are typically utilized more by our commercial customers, um, mm. just to help make sure all the equipment is set up properly, the grows optimized. If they have any issues, we'll help diagnose them and fix them. Kind of keeps a lot of stuff um, for commercial growers. Um, so as the business, you know, we operate globally. Um, we're, we've gotten pretty big at this point. We've done it largely through acquisition. Um, at this point, we're, we're integrating all those different businesses we bought into one sort of, you know, cohesive business, which has taken time and a lot of effort. Um, mm -hmm. As for me, I am just the lucky dude who gets to, who gets to run it. Um, you know, I, I <laughs> am unbelievably, to have. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, I, I, I can't help but be grateful for the spot I find myself in. Um, again, it's just my family's business, which, you know, and having a family business is a great thing and, and you know, we never ever sort of look for sympathy on, but it was always just such an unexciting, unglamorous business. You know, we sell bags of dirt and we sold grass seed and that kind of thing. Um, and it never aligned with something that I had a ton of passion for until we started looking at this and saying, man, there's a, there's a way we could make cannabis a real job here and a really important part of the future of our business. Because frankly, you know, the Scott Miracle Company grows at a couple percent a year, and it's a really good, really steady, super mature business. And when you're looking for ways to inject a little growth and a little excitement into your business, this was just such a great opportunity. So the serendipity of, like I said before, personal passion with a business opportunity with a company that actually made sense to do it in uh, I again, I am just the lucky beneficiary of all those things, and I just hope to to not screw it up. <laughs> Understood. That's great. Um, I, I can understand that. I mean, it, you know, hauling bags of dirt and such around on the surface doesn't seem glamorous, but um, when you combine it with this exciting movement and industry and 
get to have a seat at the table on how how policies are going to be formulated, how how to make business more efficient, how to actually make this industry grow and thrive. Um, all the, all the metaphors of cannabis growing, budding, um, <laughs> they're hard to avoid. But I, I, we really have an opportunity. Those of us in the industry now, those of us who have been doing this for maybe just a few years or, or brand new to the industry as well, um, we have an opportunity to shape this industry the way we want it to, so for it to be a new kind of industry with new values, uh, more forward-thinking values, where the, as we like to say, as the hippies like to say, the lessons of the plant are going to be infused into our new industry. And I, I really agree. And, and um, I'm glad that we're creating a new industry with uh, some new values. So, um, well, I, you know, I'd, I'd agree, but, but quickly, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I would say, you know, I think we're creating a new industry, I suppose, but I think, you know, the reverence, at least personally that I have, and look, clearly there are some things that had to evolve and change for this business to become an accepted part of sort of mainstream America. Um, mm-hmm. And now that is despite the fact that, and a lot of people don't like to talk about the fact that lots and lots and lots of normal people get high. Lots of people consume cannabis as part of their daily lives and they don't talk about it and they, mm-hmm. they would lie about it maybe if they were asked. But the sure. reality is cannabis is mainstream and it has been for some time. But for, the, for it to be accepted into mainstream, you know, Wall Street level business, yeah. as you said, things had to change. So for me, I don't look at it so much as we're creating a new industry. I think that would be kind of the height of hubris, at least for me to believe, because we've just bought businesses. We haven't created a whole lot. What we've tried to do is stand on the shoulders of those people who did create this industry and, and try to help evolve it into, I think, what it can become as, as, as it moves forward. Um, so I, I apologize for interrupting, but I think that's for me at least is important. No problem. Yeah, I think, I think that's well said. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, we're going to take our first commercial break here, and then we'll be right back with Chris Hagedorn of Hawthorne Gardening to chat more about the industry. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap channel. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. 
These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back here on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, speaking with Chris Hagedorn of Hawthorne Gardening. Um, so let's let's jump into talking about the science of cultivation, especially cultivating a product that's consumed by human beings. Um, and there are some regulations in place, obviously, but I'm curious what your thoughts are around responsibly growing products that consumers are ultimately going to put in their bodies, usually with the intention of it being a wellness product. So we definitely don't want pesticides or heavy metals or mold or uh, powdery mildew syndrome is the thing I see with cannabis plants quite a bit as a problem. What are your thoughts around that? Well, I, I completely agree that, you know, we need to be able to grow these plants in such a manner that the folks consuming them, whether they're consuming them for medical reasons or for recreational reasons, um, mm-hmm. can do so with confidence. I think that it should go without saying, although I'm not sure it always has. Um, so, part of its regulation, you know, the government in most every other category now, and this is not meant to delve into whether we believe government regulation in other categories is effective or positive, but it does exist mm-hmm. um, in whether it's food, you know, or, or, or pharmaceuticals. There are certain standards companies are forced to live up to that mm-hmm. do not exist in this category. So it falls to the industry to regulate itself, which Mm -hmm. I think it has done to varying degrees of of efficiency or effectiveness. And I think organizations like NCIA can really help to push forward that that philosophy of we must regulate ourselves. It is just, it's a moral and ethical imperative. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that said, I think there are some, some challenges that we've had. And part of it is we talked in the earlier segment about the evolution of this industry from the older kind of more underground outlaw culture to the more mainstream, you know, and I hate to use the term corporate, but the more corporate culture that's beginning to uh, to develop, frankly, that we're part of. Um, And I think as that evolution has taken place, there's been a lot of good, you know, those shoulders of the giants I mentioned before that we stand on, but there were some things that weren't so good. And I think there were people who use products to control pests in their grows that, that should never have been put on, on anything that was consumed, certainly nothing that was burned and consumed. Mm. And one of the things that that we found a lot of people don't understand or appreciate is some compounds that may be okay if you, if they were in something you were to eat or drink. Once you combust those and inhale them, they become something completely different. It could be something much more dangerous. So mm. for us doing the kind of research that, frankly, a lot of companies don't have the resources to do, very important to me personally. Again, as a consumer and as someone who watched. You know, my mother-in-law um, has since passed away from cancer, but she had a long, long fight with cancer. Um, started before my wife was even born, and she passed away just a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a remarkable um, kind of fight she had and just the amount of fight she had in her. Anyway, she treated her symptoms and the symptoms and side effects of her medication with cannabis throughout her adult life. And 
here in New York, you there is, or at least when she was alive, there was no medical regime for her to get products she had mm. confident in. So she was forced to buy products and, and frankly turned to me as, you know, this is at the time I was, you know, the high school kid dating her, her daughter um, to help her. And it was products that I, I could have a very limited amount of confidence in that would, that you truly safe. And I, and I, that was before I know, knew what I know now, which is mm-hmm. again, how, how scary some of these things that go into these plants can be. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing those thoughts. Um, to move on to the next question, I want to talk about um, the burdens of companies in this industry who may be pulling in some high revenues on paper, but honestly, they're still not really making much of a profit. And it's primarily because of our ridiculous IRS tax code 280E, uh, which is not allowing direct-to-plant companies who are following the rules to take normal tax business deductions. Um, and I do want to point out NCI's policy recommendations is to amend the tax code in that section to exempt state legal businesses. Seems reasonable to me. Um, but it's all clearly a symptom of the failed war on drugs and prohibition era thinking. And it's it's hurting legal regulated cannabis industry companies. I mean, am I right? Is this impacting you as well? Oh, yeah. We Look, I see tax and banking, which is a very closely related issue as the single biggest barrier in the way of this industry really taking on the the potential or, or realizing the potential that it has. Um, so yes, I completely agree. Look, 280E is Al Capone era tax law. If I, if I use slightly foul language on here, is that okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. It's completely fucking insane that we are regulated <laughs> by tax law that was written to nab a gangster from a hundred years ago. So as you said it, look, I think you, you, you took the words out of my mouth. We are penalizing businesses for following the rules. It's the most backwards, ridiculous thing that anyone could imagine. So 280E is insane. It causes businesses that should be making a lot of money in tax at a 20 or 30% rate, at an 80 or 90% rate. So yeah. of course they can't make money. And to make the problem even worse, since they can't make money now, if they could get a loan from a bank to sustain them until the, the tax law rationalizes, they can't because banks won't work with them either because they're considered to be breaking federal law. So you've got national banks that won't extend loans to these guys. They cannot make enough money to sustain their businesses on their own, even though the businesses are profitable. Just the only people actually making money off the cannabis industry is the federal government is really to begin with. So the whole thing is backwards. I apologize if I'm getting worked up. I just think this is the craziest <laughs> thing in the world. No, and- I completely agree. And, and you know, for any uh, smart, genius, stable genius businessman, um, fixing these things would seem common sense. So I completely agree with you on that. Well, and not only um, would it seem common sense, but it's, it's, it's unethical to sit here and lock people up for breaking federal law, but at the same time, the only people making real money off it is the federal government. It's just, it's it's insanity, but anyway. Agree. I mean, and as you mentioned, to add insult to injury, especially these smaller businesses are having difficulty even getting and keeping a bank account, merchant accounts, loans, as you mentioned, and all those things. So of course, NCIA has had um, an integral role in pushing 
banking fixes, specifically the SAFE Banking Act, the Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act, along in Congress, um, which we're very excited about. And, and even just recently, we have seen movement and hearings in the House and the Senate. And this is a very, very exciting time for cannabis policy. The year 2019 has been like a roller coaster when in previous years, um, you know, we maybe saw a couple of pieces of legislation get introduced, but go nowhere. So to see this Safe Banking Act move along in Congress is a, a really, uh, I think a lot of people are feeling optimistic, uh, even though we're sitting here still lamenting about banking. <laughs> well, yeah, look, I think there's a lot of reason to feel optimistic. But when we talk about the potential of this industry here in America, I think all you have to do is look up in Canada and say, okay, so they rationalized banking and taxation up there. They allowed these guys to take actual bank loans to actually work in, in capital markets. What happens? Now, look, regardless of whatever pr your opinion of the product that a company like Canopy or Aurora might be putting out, you've got cannabis businesses up there that are worth three or four times what, what the Scotts Miracle Company is now. And so it's like you see the potential for the creation of value when the sort of shackles are taken off this industry. Um, mm -hmm. I just, I look forward to the day it happens here in America. We're all in this together. <laughs> so yeah. um, you, you, you mentioned that uh, Hawthorne Gardening is a larger company and, and therefore um, has access to a, a few more resource, resources than a smaller company may have. But even you guys know that you can't just keep your head down and run your business without also getting involved in the advocacy, in the public education. And it obviously sounds like you're very passionate about it. So let's talk a bit about that as we wrap this segment. We, we have a minute or two um, about your political values. And there's, there's a big difference between state level advocacy and federal advocacy. Am I right? There's a huge difference. Yeah. And what we, you know, we've, came out of the gate focused on federal we figured let's make big structural changes here and really right the ship and what we discovered much to you know my dismay is that it's really hard to move the federal government in any direction you know and and it, i've always felt like you mm -hmm. know advocacy is a good word lobbying is a dirty word it's a bad word sure. until i was on the side of like we're lobbying for something good here for something righteous true and what we found is that lobbying the federal level for us at least as as just an individual business has been very difficult to make any progress. So we shifted a lot of our resources um, for our government relations people to more state and local things where we felt like we could actually make a difference. And we've been it a lot more faster, successful there. For sure. It does. And what we've, what we've, we've shifted our philosophy to say, look, if we can, if we can affect change at those levels, help our customers, help consumers and patients, that if we get enough critical mass at the state and local level, eventually the federal government will be left no choice but to do the right thing. And that's our philosophy. It's working slowly but surely along with a lot of help from organizations like yours, um, but it can't happen soon enough, especially for people who've been really negative, negatively affected by this, um, by the laws, which we've been able to avoid up to this point. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, thanks for getting involved and having a seat at the table along with us here at NCIA as we're trying to push the dial at that glacial pace of federal government. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take our last commercial break here, and then we'll come back and wrap up our chat with Chris from Hawthorne Gardening. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. 
Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register before May 1st for an early bird discount of 50% off now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Join us for the 2019 U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo August 3rd and 4th in Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Expo.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we are back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. And we're talking with Chris from Hawthorne Gardening, and we're just wrapping up our chat here. Um, we've, we've had a good chat about some of the big issues going on in our industry, the banking crisis, 280E, as well as safe te- testing regulations, um, and the importance of being a part of NCIA. We are the national association. We have nearly 2,000 member companies of all sizes and all industry sectors as a member, not only supporting the federal advocacy work we're doing on behalf of the industry, but also participating, um, joining committees, uh, applying to serve on our board of directors or our policy council, which is doing great things as well. Um, I would love to hear more about um, why Hawthorne joined NCIA and, and why your membership is is most important to you? Oh, gosh. Well, we joined NCIA because we saw what you guys were doing, which was putting together a, a coalition of of businesses and individuals who were all interested in seeing this this industry evolve and, and, and seeing real, those real structural changes I mentioned, seeing those come to light. So we looked around and there's a lot of different industry organizations and coalitions of different varieties now. And we've been involved with plenty of them. I think for you guys, we saw a group that was a little bit more serious, whose values aligned a little bit more closely with ours, and who seemed to have a a real plan on how to on how to see change, you know, come. We, you know, that you know, be the change you want to see. We, that's what we saw with you guys. Um, again, we saw philosophies aligned, and that none of this is going to happen if everybody kind of stays in their own little swim lane. If we if we band together as an industry, have a real organized plan agree on what we want to see happen we can we can make things change we can 
we can help and or force the government, frankly, to to evolve. So that's what we saw, and I think so far it's been going going pretty well. Absolutely, thank you. Yeah. Um, so one way to get involved. Um, in addition to coming to lobby days, which I highly recommend for every NCIA member, uh, next spring is your next opportunity in 2020. It'll be in NCIA's 10 year, 10th year as an organization and our 10th annual lobby days. So it's kind of a big year coming up next year. Um, but there's smaller opportunities around the country for people to come network with their peers, hear what NCI has been up to. Um, we have a uh, regional networking event series called Industry Socials. Um, they're kind of a little bit fun and relaxed, uh, but it's a great way to come connect. Our next set of events is called our Heartland Tour of Industry Socials throughout the month of August. We will be in Minneapolis, Chicago, St. Louis, Oklahoma City, and Austin. Uh, so right there in the middle of the country, it's exciting to see some movement in those places. Um, NCIA members can register for free. And if you're not an NCIA member, there's just a ticket cost involved for you there. I highly recommend that. Um, and then if we want to fast forward to our next big conference, it's the California Cannabis Business Conference. We'll be there October 8th through 9th in Long Beach, California. Um, it's a great opportunity to connect with industry leaders, policymakers, and other entrepreneurs to really get into the California-specific regulations, trends, advocacy. Uh, California is a big state, and it's, it's, been, um, it's been interesting to watch the adult use regulations get rolled out. Um, not everything's perfect, but um, as, we, as we go through these growing pains, this conference is a great opportunity for us to all figure it out together. Um, so for more information about that, you can go ahead and register now. The website is californiacannabisbusinessconference.com. Um, do you think you and your team are going to make it out? And actually, let's talk about, uh, before we wrap the show, some of your team got to go to our Cannabis Business Summit and Expo in San Jose, which is our biggest conference that we host throughout the year. Um, have you had a chance to catch up with them and hear what their experience was like? Yeah, so definitely did have a team there. Yeah, look, everybody's impressed. The, just the quality of the other, you know, the other exhibitors, the, the folks who were there. You know, this whole thing is about sort of adults coming to the party and getting getting real professionals more and more involved in the category. So definitely saw that reflected at, at the most recent event that you guys put on. And yeah, as for as for all the future NCI events and everything, I hope to be there in person. My schedule gets a little crazy with the two boys and trying to spend as much time with them as I can. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, I will endeavor to be at all of the future events, at least as many as I can be. And my team will be at all of them. Wonderful. Well, where can people find out more about Hawthorne Gardening? Uh, gosh, go to go to hawthorngc.com. Um, just search for Hawthorne Gardening Company. Go to local hydro shops. Um, we're, we're all over the place. We make ourselves as visible as possible. Obviously, Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. Um, but go down to your local hydro shop. Talk to the guys behind the counter um, and get growing. It's, it's super fun. Get growing. I like it. All right. Well, thanks again for being a guest on the show today. Um, it's been great chatting. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.